All right, everyone, welcome to the Wisdom Factory podcast. My name is Preston Nieves, Vice President of the Wisdom Factory, and today we are going to be discussing a very important and interesting topic, which is the media. And the title of this podcast, Rage Against the Media, is going to be focusing on challenging the mainstream narratives and indoctrination that's present within our society. Of course, I am not alone. It would not be a Wisdom Factory podcast if I was. I'm with Jordan Villanueva, the president of the Wisdom Factory. I am with Rob. Um, who is making his first debut. He's a member of our executive council. And then we got Amber, who's also making her first debut on the podcast. And uh, th- I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about, man, because you know this, this is something what I like about this topic is it's something that impacts us every day. You know, like when the Wisdom Factory discusses some of these things, you know, like, yeah, you know, nuclear weapons and foreign policy, like those are great, important things, uh, but we don't observe that every day, whereas the media, you know, you, every time you turn on the TV, there's a news channel. You know, we're constantly being fed all this information about current events, um, but when you really dive into the nature of the media, who owns it, who controls it, what's it saying, you know, sometimes there's some valid questions as to whether the media is actually as trustworthy as they want us to think they are. And that's what we're really going to be diving in today. So, um, Jordan, uh, can you maybe elaborate on that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so let me go ahead and give some background information as to why we chose this topic and why we think it's important for our viewers to sort of, you know, sit there with us and listen to us and, and see if they agree with us or not. And I think that pretty much everybody feels this distrust of the media. You know, your Fox News, your CNN, you know, even Colbert. I used to love Colbert, you know, like back when he was on the Colbert Report. But I watch him today and it's just like it's it, he's a mouthpiece. Someone else is putting words in his mouth. And media today has just become uh, either it's about lies or someone's pushing a political agenda or it's just simply for entertainment. And if you think back to the, the original the founding days of our democracy, you know, because media is only important for one reason, and that's because it gives the citizens the information that they need to sort of sort through the good ideas and the bad ideas, the, um, the constructive ideas and the destructive ideas. Um, but back in the day, you used to get your news from the newspaper, your local newspaper, and they would write columns after columns. There would be essays and pamphlets and all of these things where people would have their ideas and they would flesh them out and then they would go to coffee houses and talk about them. And you compare that to what we have today and it's a joke. It it's, truly is a joke. And yes, they had their, you know, their polemics, you know, where they had the same sort of um, sensation, uh, sense, what are you, sensationalizing the, uh, the, um, the pamphlet. Sometimes they would attack, you know, like Alexander Hamilton, the former refuted. He sort of uses fiery language. But the point is, like, they, like if you read the former refuted, it's like a 16-page, you know, maybe even longer, well-thought-out um, piece that's, like, talking to the citizens. It's talking to America, saying, hey, look, this is the state of affairs. This is what these people are doing. This is where we need to go, and this is why. And I think it's people need that information, especially in a democracy. And today we're simply not getting it. And um, even throughout, like, this is a recent thing. Like, I feel like... You know, even when I was growing up, media was bad, but it wasn't this bad. It's, it's, it's at a tipping yeah. point. It's at a tipping point to where it's like we can't stand it anymore. Hence the name of this podcast, Rage Against the Media. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I'm taking a history course, and uh, a labor history course, and he was telling, uh, telling us like back in the day, like labor movements, their lifeblood, their circulation was because the United States Post Office used to subsidize 
um, sending newspapers and news articles and pamphlets all around the country. So you could live in St. Louis and you would get like a small town Texas newspaper if you subscribe. So you had access to the entire country not even the cities, the towns. So every little, you know, nook and cranny of America of thought, you could get access to those ideas. And so you could sort out, you know, what's true and what's what's bullshit, you know, because yeah. you can simply look at all these different perspectives. Well, what it and is is we, called... We, we, we stop, oh, yeah. I'm almost done with this. And we stopped that. So, you know, once, once the radio started to become prominent, once more uh, modern forms of media started to become prominent, that sort of started to die away and, it's, and, and, and personality was more, uh, more at the forefront because they wanted to get the views, they wanted to get the, the listeners. And I think it's just um, completely gotten out of control and that's where we are today. There's, there's gonna be a lot of problems with the media that we're gonna talk about today. And I think knowing the genesis of where we came from and why it's important to have those ideas and to have those intellectual discussions based on information that is, um, you know, that has the, the motive to sort of educate the population, I think it's important for us to understand that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I was going to say, because I like that you bring up democracy, because really, in a lot of ways, what we're talking about is the free marketplace of ideas. Like, that's really, when you think about it, one of the most fundamental things that a democracy is based off of, that one of the advantages that democracies have over other political systems is that all ideas are able to be considered, they can be debated, uh, and that the bad ones can be weeded out, and the good ones can be pursued. Uh, but there's a big caveat to that, and, and this caveat has led to problems in a lot of democracies, and that's when when you don't have that, when when you have that freedom to vote, when people have that freedom to be in power, but they're not getting the information, or if they are getting the information, they're not getting it in an unbiased way, because really, one of the things I see as being the part of the root of the problem when it comes to you know the the, the cesspool that is the state of mainstream media today is the fact that a lot of things that we call news are really indoctrination. That news is supposed to be about facts and that you can have opinions and editorials, but those are supposed to be, you know, like what you, the examples you were giving, things that are well-researched and well-argued, you know, that – you know, obviously, yellow journalism has always existed. Yes, you do have the sensationalized stuff, but that can exist and be fine, but that's only if people are able to recognize it as such. What we have right now is with all these news sources being so just ideologically aligned with one political party or with one special interest group or whatever it may be, and with there being so few news sources that, you know, that the, 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 I think the number of companies that own 90% of the mainstream media has dwindled from like 89 to just four that were are the number of perspectives that were being exposed to are much more limited and that it's just the same thing over and over again and that propaganda is being passed off as news and people are just repeating what they see on tv i think we all recognize that there's a problem and and it's hard to pinpoint where the problem is because there's so many problems so let's just try right now uh rob when it comes to the media, when it comes to what you see uh, on the news channels or even like in Google News and things of that nature, what do you see as like the main problem driving this, uh, like Preston said, f- um, fake news or indoctrination of America through like these sens- sen- sensationalized um, forms having, of media? Having a little trouble with that word, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, but, uh, sensationalized. There you sensationalized. Go. There you go. <laughs> So I think the problem is that news really tries, it's really for revenue now, it's really for profit. Mm -hmm. And to make that, you have to appeal to a wide audience, the general audience. And the general audience is usually, you know, uneducated for the most part. And having to appeal to a majority of uneducated people, you have to dumb down the news. You have to make it really simple, really plain. And that's, 
that's really what I'm seeing in media nowadays. Amber? Uh, yeah, pretty similar to that. I think, <clears throat> I think the line has been blurred between um, media and, and news as the fourth estate and media and news as entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say so much. I do think there is, um, like you were saying, Preston indoctrination going on. I don't think it's like some, some, um, you know, white dude in some dark hall is pulling these strings. Or like to Alex Jones is a globalist conspiracy. Yeah, the, the <laughs> masses, but I think I think it's more of a passive indoctrination of just um, of entertainment value driving what actually gets promoted, what actually gets put on the air. And sadly, that's going to be three-second snippets of the most sensationalized thing that they can come well, up with. Well, the only thing I would say with that, I, I definitely <laughs> think, yeah, like sensationalization is a part of it, but I would definitely say that there are, is a heavy component of a political agenda. So, and I'll agree with you. I'm not saying that there's necessarily some giant Illuminati conspiracy and that there's one guy sitting in the room pulling all the strings. Um, but when you think about it, right, you look at the media, how they portray certain events, they distort things to support certain policies. Um, you know, like, oh, Iran is so dangerous. Iran is so dangerous. Who's that benefit the defense contractors you know and, and that it's there are certain instances because the media is a very powerful tool right that you can use the media to create change for better or for worse because you're able to filter the set of facts that people get and the types of issues that are just they're being discussed like if your goal is to enact gun control for example run stories and stories and stories right. report on every mass shooting that happens you know and i'm not necessarily saying that's a good or bad thing like you know yeah, yeah like we want to know what's going on but I'm not necessarily talking about just about whether it's reported. I'm talking about how much attention is given. That the media chooses to gloss over some events and then focus on others. And that a lot of times the events that they focus on, the things that they really give the most attention are not necessarily the things that are the biggest problems or that are the most dangerous, but rather the things that are in line somehow with the political agenda that either the corporate ruling class or the political establishment wants to accomplish. I think it's the things that people just want to see the most. I don't know. In San Antonio, there's a saying on the news that if it bleeds, it leads, which usually contributes to the really bloody, awful news that plays 24-7 in all the news networks there. Mm -hmm. But you were saying, Jordan? Yeah, so, no, definitely. Like, that's one of the things that I was going to bring up is, like, one of the things that I hate about the media today, and it's not necessarily connected to entertainment value, but it's, like, the negativity of the news, you know? Like, yeah, every right. time I watch the news, it's negative story after negative story, and I just wonder, like, is there anything good happening out in the world? There has to be. It has to be. The, po the more probable thing is that the majority of things that are happening in the world are positive things, but nobody wants to hear about, you know, the plant that reopened back up after, you know, 20, 20 years of being, um, you know, <laughs> moved offshore to another country or nobody wants to hear about, you know, homeless people that actually got back up on their feet. No people want to hear about the car crash that happened down the street, you know. Worse, wanna, the murder, want, the slaughter, the, murder, the serial the slaughter, killer. Yeah, the, the person mean, that's out. They always, like, the media the follows, the same, follows, the same, follows the same pattern. There's these person of interest. They show the cutouts. They show what they look the like. And a lot of that is good everything. because, you know, for the whole uh, tips thing, you know, you want the population to see it so someone can identify the person. They can bring them in and solve that crime. But I just don't like how negative, especially local news, like that's like one of the reasons why I don't watch the news. I don't want to hear bad things all day in a constant cycle. But um, the original point I was going to make was like about the entertainment value of these news pieces is that if you notice, 
the anchors and like the people who are doing these segments, they are not experts in any academic field. They were put there because they're they have like a journalism degree and some acting, you know, uh, expertise, or they're like they've they have a good way of working in front of the camera, and that's why they're there. They're there because they're a pretty face, or they're there because. Like they're someone who is just has a bubbly personality that people are going to be gravitate to, gravitate towards to. Not because they actually know the ins and outs of the policies and of what's going on and how this is going to affect us. Because if you realize it, they're just reading from a teleprompter. They're reading from a teleprompter. Whereas in the good news networks that I've seen, they're not reading from a teleprompter. They're bringing in analysts. They're bringing in people from think tanks. They're bringing in ex-world uh, leaders from the UN or like ex-presidents or uh, people who are working in nonprofit foundations and allowing them to talk about the issues instead of just reading from a prompter, which we don't know where that information is coming from. These people are not like these um, anchormen or, or pseudo-journalists who are just doing what they're told. No, these people actually have thoughts. These people actually care about positive impact. They don't just care about getting the views, but a lot of times that's boring, and like you know, people don't want to. People want to watch that. Like I always laugh, you know. Like you want to go to the best news network, go to C-SPAN or something like that. You know, that's where you'll get it, or go to PBS. That's where you'll get well, it. Also, it's like, not. No it's not just about. There. It's not just about whether something is boring or exciting. It's also the fact that people. People like to have their beliefs affirmed because like another thing yeah. that I've noticed, especially in a, from a partisan perspective, is how polarized the media has become. People like to have their beliefs affirmed. You know, if I'm some, you know, hardline neocon, you know, I want to hear about how dangerous Russia is and why Muslims are bad. I don't want to hear about the fact that China's economy in real terms is larger than the United States and how they're the only country that's actually increasing the size of its nuclear arsenal. That what it is is that sometimes we we have things that we believe because we want to believe, that we see the world a certain way and we become entrenched in those beliefs. We become fixated on this country is the biggest threat or this group of people is bad so on and so forth and when we become entrenched in that sometimes what happens is that we, we feel personally attacked when when news sources um, take a perspective that's different you know that, that you know well it's actually not this country that's the biggest threat you know or, or actually you know this, per, this group of people commits crimes at a lower rate than the average um, and that because of the fact that the media is, is market based and it's all about revenue it's a matter of supply and demand that people a lot of times want to pay attention to the media sources uh, that are to their preference that tell them what they want to hear and what that creates is more and more echo chambers and I think what that leads to is that there's, there's a deeper problem than just or corporations or China or Russia or, or you know globalist conspiracies if you want to listen to Alex Jones. I think to really to get at the root of the problem, you have to understand it from a cultural perspective. But I think at the end of the day, keeping in mind this supply and demand dynamic that affects the media, it, you know, that what it is is that we have a culture Unfortunately, that's becoming less and less willing to embrace diversity of ideas and free thought and the question of things that we're being told. You know, it's, it's something that like it's, it seems like in the United States, at least ever since 9-11, people are controlled by fear. You know, we're afraid to rock the boat. I hear these arguments all the time. You know, we can't put tariffs on China because the world is going to blow up if we do. Or, you know, Jordan, you were even mentioning some of this about climate change, which while I don't agree <laughs> with your arguments on that, I think it's a valid point from like a rhetoric perspective, you know, that what 
what it is is that we've become afraid to challenge the status quo and the problems get exaggerated and everyone's always saying the world is going to blow up if we put a tariff on one country when in reality the situation is a lot more complicated than that. I think what we need to do and if we're really to solve this problem, we have to get out of that fear mindset and we have to get out of that closed mindedness and we have to be willing to go outside of our comfort zone and listen to things that don't necessarily affirm what we want to believe, but rather are reflections of the truth and be able to accept difficult truths. And while it may disagree with our preconceived notion that it's a more objective reality and we can learn from and we can enhance our understanding of the world and make our lives better for us, for our country and for all of humanity by actually looking at things from an accurate perspective and being able to tailor solutions to deal with real problems rather than pursuing phantom menaces in our head because the corporate media told us to. And that's, that's, you know, that's at the heart of the problem for me because I value honesty like more than anything. So when I watch something and I get a sense that they're not being honest with me, it will completely give me a, a negative vibe or a negative reaction and I'll change it and I'll be mad. I'll be like, man, I can't believe they're on TV. That's why this is rage against the media because I'm sure a lot of people feel like they're being lied to and like that's just no one wants to put up with that because we're thirsty. We need information so that we can make these tough political decisions, especially like in a democracy when elections are coming up and about every major political figure that you hear, depending on what channel you tune into, you'll hear a crazy story about how this person is, you know, like involved in all kinds of scams or this person has like lovers and separate wives. They're all murder or, fantasy. Or, yeah, murder fantasy. <laughs> this person is involved with this country and this, they're getting money from this place and we can't sort it out. We just, like, we're being lied to and no one knows where the truth is coming from and, like, that's the big frustration here and I, and I wonder why. I don't know why the media does this um, and it seems like because there's only a few sources that we're getting it from. It's becoming more and more and more centralized as more news networks buy up other news networks and more conglomerates buy up other conglomerates. And I'm sure everyone's seen that video, like even the local news where like all these local news and all these different local areas were running the same um, news cycle over and over again, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's weird. It's like we're living in a, you know, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but you can definitely see that there are strings being pulled. And it's this one area that I can't stand. It's where they use the media to shame people or like to ruin people. They use the media to ruin people. And when they do what Preston says, like fear mongering, and when they use the media to ruin reputations of people who they don't want in power for some partisan <laughs> reason, they have to lie. They have to lie. They cannot tell you the truth. So, you know, I think that I answered my own question here, and it's because the media has an agenda. I think every news site that we tune into has an agenda that they're trying to push, yeah. and that's fine. You can have an agenda, like everyone should be able to have an agenda, but it shouldn't come at the expense of, you know, the whole population knowing, you know, uh, having access to proper and true information so that they can decide for themselves. But, you know, it's, it's, it's selfish to me of these different news networks to just be constantly pushing their, their own agenda. And it's, it's so refreshing when you get someone from, like, the New York Times or someone from the CNN or someone from Fox who actually goes against the grain and sort of gives both sides and both perspectives. It's very tough to do today. But that brings up another point that I want to ask you guys because we're, it's easy to point the finger and say, yeah, it's the conglomerates. Yeah, it's the special interests. Yeah, it's the lobbyists. Yeah, so what and so on. But how much of this responsibility falls on the people? Because we're the ones, at the end of the day, who are voting with our clickers. We're the ones tuning in to um, these news channels. We're the ones being susceptible to this clickbait. We're the ones who uh, sort of 
look at the news, we type something in and we pick you know, what we want to pick, whether it's subliminally or not. Um, so how much of it is to blame is on us? Well, I would say it's a lot, and it's a lot more than we'd like to admit. And that's one of the reasons why I bring up the cultural aspect. Because the thing is that, you know, even if we believe in the most, cons- you know, the most fantastical conspiracy, you know, of, oh, you know, the, let's go Alex Jones just for argument's sake, right? That there is, you know, an Illuminati that's, you know, controlling the media and that they're going to take control of our minds, right? You know, now that's absurd. You know, what I believe is obviously a, a, lot, a lot less extreme than that. I do believe there's indoctrination and conspiracy but nothing like that. Uh, But even if we were to assume the most extreme, even if we were to assume something like that, there's one thing a lot of people don't want to admit and that even if that's the case, they haven't accomplished it yet. There's alternative news sources you can go to. I was just talking about before we started this podcast that I haven't listened to the media or read the media recently because I've been spending a lot of time for my classes. I've been reading books and these academic articles um, and I'm getting a lot of information from those that the the information is out there. You know, there are other smaller independent news sources you can go to. There are academic journals and think tanks that are peer reviewed where the ideas are much more vetted and more nuanced and, you know, there's an, uh, more of a focus on, on truth. You know, there's books you can read written by people who are very prestigious authors who know a lot, you know, that they're experts in these subject areas, um, and that they they'll tell you things that the media won't, um, you know. And heck, even when I, one thing I've been surprised sometimes even is the quality of things on YouTube that there's like there's several channels on YouTube that I like to listen to like Isaac Arthur with you know science, science and Futurism with Isaac Arthur is one um, this is a bit controversial but there's been some videos I'd say black pill can be interesting as two or it can be interesting too um, and those are only two examples like there's a lot of different ones and they come from all different perspectives there's conservative ones there's liberal ones you know there's ones that are not even about politics at all like you know Isaac Arthur is a, you know a science fiction and technology channel he doesn't really take political stances but you know this information is out there and that you can choose not to be indoctrinated you can choose to go get your information from something that either a is just more objective fundamentally or b if it is biased it has different biases you know that you you can go on maybe you know instead of the mainstream conservative news sources you know go to to some of the you know maybe like the conservatarian or alt-right news sources or same thing on the left you know you don't always need to listen to the democratic mouthpieces you can go to like the communist and you know libertarian socialist news sources they exist they're out there and that there are other perspectives and it's up to us to find them yeah Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I think I agree with you, Preston. I think it, it's a, there's a huge component of consumer choice in this. And I think it's important, like that's why I said earlier, and we were talking about how like the entertainment value of, of a news network, um, if, if consumers are making the choice for more objective, independent um, news consumption, then... Mm-hmm news firms are going to follow the money like mm-hmm. that is one like a law that you learn in economics is like you can count on the firms just want the money and they're going to follow the money whether or not it's politically expedient or not because they're just trying to bend politics they're trying to bend the political landscape to make more money if that makes sense mm-hmm. so if you have a, a shift in consumer demand for independent objective media and news um news pieces then you're gonna get you're gonna the firms are gonna follow suit yeah profit following the profit 
Yeah, and like how consumers don't realize how much power they have because these these media corporations have to tailor their message to the market. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, a consumer doesn't realize how much power they have on an individual basis. That's the same phenomenon as like, like your vote, a single vote doesn't really count for anything, but the, you know, the mass of votes is going to change the outcome um, to an extent, except electoral college, so... <laughs> mm -hmm. But... That besides the point, it does take you know a mass shift of consumer demand, but you know, it's it's difficult to do, and I think this also goes back to to knowledge is power, and um, and ignorance is bliss. So, like Rob mentioned earlier, our masses are generally going to be uneducated; they're not even aware of how powerful objective information can be, and the powers that be um, are aware of that and want to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true because you know, a more educated and intelligent populace is more likely to, to question things because the challenge that we face with a lot of this stuff, you know, when being able to recognize indoctrination, you know, choose against it if we don't believe some of the political ideas that are being expressed, is a lot of times it's nuance. You know, it's very nuanced. Like you know, when you're especially when it comes to like social issues and foreign policy or really but anything, it's very nuanced and a lot of times that when something is not the way it seems to be, um, you know, there's a reason it seems to be that way, that there's a reason that the surface level appears a certain way, um, and that you have to take that effort to actually dive um, deep into it, you know, and that what it is, is that education is not just about institutions, it's also about culture. Um, because I feel like, you know, part of the problem in the United States, I think, is that we don't really value education the way that some other countries do. Like, one of the reasons why you know, there, so so many other countries have, you know, had um, you know different experiences. Is is because they invest more in education. Like you look at what's going on in France right now. You know, with the, the you know, I think it's died down a little bit more recently. But you know, the, the, thing, the thing with yeah. the yellow vests. You know, the France is a country where that exchange of ideas has really been maintained. But also that you know, you have a much more educated populace, and that it's it's definitely a risk when you have that uneducated populace because you know the base of knowledge is not as broad you know the people are more likely to be brainwashed because a lot of times we have this we have this tendency to believe the first thing we hear you know that it's like a learning it's a learning mechanism like when we're kids we believe what our parents teach us which is useful from that development perspective but can be problematic you know from a perspective of building a an objective society because if people are ignorant then they'll just believe whatever is told to them uh, you know because that's all they that's all they have you know you have yes. I think there was a TED talk about this it called the single story you know that single story bias, the, the right, single story right. bias you know you have one conception of how something is it could be a country it could be a group of people it could be a policy a corporation it doesn't matter believe it. you know yeah. you tend to believe it when in reality there's actually multiple perspectives and that even if that stereotype ends up being true most of the time, there's always exceptions. There's always going to be you know, that 10, 20% that don't fit that mold and that maybe you're even the opposite of what the stereotype says they are. Man, I remember uh, when I used to live back in my apartment, uh, I had regular old antenna TV, you know, and I would always flip through the channels and I had this one news channel, it was called CCTV. It was actually a Chinese news network. And man, I can tell you that news was so objective. It was so true. Besides the Chinese propaganda, because you know they're gonna have, they're gonna <laughs> yeah, have that. You know, and that's that's why it actually was not objective. They, they, they were always talking no, about. But press, please let me finish. Yeah, there's Russian and the U.S. propaganda too. Well, I'm just saying. Well, now, okay. So now you're now leave your agenda out of this, okay? <laughs> so no, uh, I'm just saying everyone has an agenda. Well, you're no, saying everyone well, except well, the Chinese well, have. Let, an let me explain how this was objective. How I thought it was objective. 
Now, obviously, like I said, when they talked about China and Chinese programs and, and Chinese initiatives across the globe, yes, there was a heavy bent towards we're doing the right thing and countries need us and we're you know developing the world. There was all of that. But they would do pieces on like things that <laughs> they would not even be close to being reported on in America. So like they would go to Africa and like have African leaders actually talk to them about like um, like wastewater development and they would have like an hour segment on like how um, people in Africa are trying to live better, how they're trying to clean up their environment, how they're trying to get clean water, potable water, how they're trying to develop agriculture, an hour long segment on this and then they would turn around the next segment and do an hour long um, piece on AI and like the threats of it and like the uh, newest technological updates, the, the uh, different companies that are involved in this. And then they would talk about like um, sort of, you know, uh, internal domestic politics and stuff like that. Like they would talk about tariffs and how much tariffs are being put on this thing. And what's, they would show the graph and give you all the detailed information about what industries this is impacting. And all of this was cut and dry stuff. But it had an aspect of, inter of entertainment value because it was so raw. It was so real. And I felt like, I felt like this information made me more knowledgeable. And like you were saying, Amber, like knowledge is power. I felt like I actually learned something about the world when I watched this. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. It was, I, I would rush home to put this news network on because you never knew what they were gonna talk about. Yeah. And it was just really, really good news, not because of the propaganda pressing, but the way that they, um, the way that they did news, and you can flip from this one to ours, and it was night and day. Ours was yeah. about jokes, it was about sensationalism, it was about uh, negative things, it was about all the things that we're talking about. And over here, it, was, it wasn't even positive or negative, it was like matter of fact. And, you know, I was sad to say, you know, I don't know what happened, but one day I turned to that channel when it got replaced by like some Vietnamese game show, and like, I, you know, it would really, really... You know that really. No, I know what you bummer, mean. I, I, but I, I to say like that, that yeah. news show, like it really showed me. And I know it's 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 a Chinese news network present, so you got feelings about it. But I I'm able to discern, you know, what is BS and what is actual, you know, true nonpartisan reporting because they would say things that were against Chinese interests, but also they would have Chinese experts to try to combat them. But they would still allow these different opinions and viewpoints. And if you, they have one segment that I really like. It's called <laughs> the Heat. And they'll get, if something happens, like let's say it's like a, a, a protest in Venezuela, they'll have a United States, um, maybe like ex-Pentagon official, they'll have like a Russian uh, ex-KGB, uh, now working in the government official, they'll have like the Venezuela party that supports the status quo, the Venezuela, like a guy that supports the, um, the new guy that's coming into power. They'll have all of these different, uh, different perspectives and then they'll have you know, the, um, the moderator sort of going to all of them and asking them questions. And he doesn't try to find the truth. He kind of does what we do in the Wisdom Factory. He just lets them talk. And of course, they always argue with each other, especially the United States people and the Russian people. They always, constantly, they they just can't get along yeah. with any issue. It's so funny to watch, but interesting to watch. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, but, though, because what, what it is, like, but that's, yeah, that's, but that's one thing. Finish, let me yeah. wrap it up, Preston. Yeah, so watching that, it is like a, a peek into how news could be done, you know? And I think that's, once you see that, it inoculates you. It inoculates you to, like to what you're watching today because like you guys were saying with the single story if that's what you think news looks like you you're, it's going to be hard to recognize that there's a problem so you know that's one of the things that i would encourage people is to go out there and, and watch international news networks and see how different news networks do the news 
and that will help you sort of gauge better what you're watching and see if, if what you're watching is really making you a more informed, uh, more knowledgeable, a more thoughtful person. Yeah, well, I mean, what I was gonna say, the only the only reason why I brought up, you know, and and given Jordan, you were the one who brought Chinese propaganda into the picture. The only reason why, like, I, you know, I mentioned that is because I think it's important. You know, it's not necessarily that I have something against you know the Chinese news networks specifically, but what it is is I think that we need to be willing to recognize bias and propaganda wherever it exists. Mm-hmm. And I think that that China, China, it, we were talking about this before the podcast, uh, Rob and I, about the political infallibility, an idea for like another podcast. That China's one of those countries that they sort of they're like Teflon you know and that they're able they have the, the worst human rights record in the world and like they're really imperialist but you know nobody is able to criticize and that kind of stuff so I think you know what it is is that there's some I guess there's some forms of propaganda that are less politically convenient to label as propaganda and that can be dangerous but in all seriousness I do really agree with what Jordan said and I know what he's talking about because I think like South China Morning Post Xinhua like a lot of those places you know and, and that actually is one of those things if you you want to talk about because for me I have some nuanced views on China that I'm not like you got some people who are like ethnocentric hawks that's not me for me I support US interests and US hegemony and stuff like that but I think part of that necessitates you know being able to learn from our enemies and that is a sad day when China is doing news better than us because we're supposed to be the democracy we're supposed to be the country where you can talk about anything and where it's free and where it's open and where all perspectives can be considered and yet somehow how somehow a fucking communist country that is known for censorship for killing journalists for clamping down on dissent on on killing ethnic minorities in mass somehow this country does news better than we do. Well, you see now, now, given, I understand that this is meant for foreign audiences and that what they do in Chinese domestic audiences to keep their population under control is very different. I recognize that. But this isn't me saying that China's doing something right. What I'm saying is that America is doing something wrong. And, you know, what, and, like, and that's not even the only example. Like, I had a similar experience with actually RT, which is a Russian news source. Oh, yeah. Now the thing about oh, RT, yeah. yeah, and I watched it today. Like I'll admit it, it's Russian propaganda, you know, to an extent. And the reason why I say to an extent is because what I've noticed about RT is that they're very biased. Anytime you're dealing with a topic that has to do with Russia or like Russian national interests, right? So like if it's something about Ukraine or something about Syria, you know, you got you can't really take it too seriously. But other than that, it's surprisingly objective. And even when it is biased, I've noticed it's more of a recent thing. Like, really, yeah, after the whole... Back cri- in the day, the, dude, man, back in the day. What changed, what changed with RT was the Crimea thing. Like, after Crimea, it started becoming Russian propaganda. But before that, like, they would say things that were against the Russian interests. Yeah. And that even after Crimea, I would say probably up until the 2016 elections, they were more unbiased and more fair than the American media. Because even though they had an obvious pro-Russian spin, that they were still... They were willing to question that to a certain extent and even though it was pretty clear they supported what Vladimir Putin was doing you know that they weren't always just praising him constantly and that there was devil's advocates up there and that's every now and then you'd have sort of a pro-American story published and that they were more willing to you know look at those different perspectives well I have a question though because um I feel like this goes back to whether we think this is like a culture problem mm-hmm. you know is it is the is the deal with this is that is that China's culture and Russia's culture are more geared towards receiving um, objective news, 
Or is this a, you know... Well, I wouldn't say that because that's why I make the distinction between foreign news sources because this is something that I... There's a book called The 100-Year Marathon that I read. It's about China. Uh, what they're talking about is that what China's very good at is that they have a very different image uh, that they portray to foreign audiences versus domestic audiences. So what, what China's domestic messaging is like in terms of what they tell their own people... That is a lot more like what people normally think of China being, you know, like this totalitarian regime. Like, in every once in a while, videos of this will surface. Like, there was one where, you know, there was like a kindergarten class and they had these little kids dressed up in uniforms and, the, you know, the Chinese ones were pretending to kill the American ones and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, so in terms of their culture, like, I would say Russia and China are actually probably less inclined um, to have objective facts simply because like they, those are cultures where you're not really supposed to question the government and that anybody who does question the government is, is really, they're, you know, they're put away. You know, definitely in China. Russia is kind of iffy, you know, that, that's, you know, that it happens sometimes, but not always, you know, but China is, is, is very much, you know, like I, I have a friend who's going to China this summer. He's a part of the Wisdom Factory. Nick, he's been on the podcast before. Podcast, yeah. and, uh, but he was telling me that his, his Chinese, Chinese professor for the study abroad you know, gave a big long talk to them about don't talk about politics while you're over there because that's how you go to the Chinese gulag. But the thing is, though, is that you know, culture is one component, but I, I think it's, you know, the culture is how we get there. But you know, I do think there is something to be learned from Russia and China in terms of the results because with their foreign news sources... That one of the reasons why China is so objective in their foreign uh, in news sources designed for foreign audiences is because they want to maintain a perception of China that is like benevolent. You know that, that China's idea of warfare and hegemony is really based off of deception and you're going convincing the enemy that you're not a danger. That way you can catch them by surprise. Wait till you're well, stronger. Th you know that, that that sort of thing. And that what it is that the now I'm not I'm not going to go talk about Chinese military strategy. But what I'm saying is that they thought this out and that what they've ended up with as a result to try to shape the perceptions of their country abroad in a way that's different from what they tell the domestic yes. audience is that they've had a, they have very effective communication and they've developed a medium of communication that's very credible and that's very effective you know whereas compared to the United States we don't seem to have any kind of parallel to that I don't know I, I disagree with Preston I, I, I think that you know if anybody who studied Chinese philosophy especially legalism the, the Chinese are not going to go for the sensationalized things that we do they're, they're going to see through it they're going to want the data, the facts, and the reason behind it. That's why the government, when the government wants to do something, they have to reason to the people of China how this is in your interest. Yes, it can be propaganda. But well, they they, have to do well, it. the Communist they Party have to do just could do by they, force. They, can't, they, they cannot simply say we're going to because they have to be the, the philosopher Square. who's creating. That was a long time ago, Preston. They have to be this. We're going to try to look, yeah the the, uh, the weaker minorities. Ha that's happening right now. We don't have an agenda. Okay, you gave yours. Now let me give mine. Okay. So the Chinese people, they believe in legalism. So like even their, their rulers, their, the rulers have to create a harmonious society or they're going to be toppled. That's part of their dynastic cycles. That's ingrained in their culture. The Chinese people have to understand how what the government is, what the government is doing is making their lives better. That's the only way the Chinese communists can stay in power. So because that's the case, the Chinese government and the people who do the media, sort of like in all authoritarian countries, have been really, really good at working the media in that angle by adapting to the culture, what the culture needs. And in this case, it is arguing through facts. It's arguing through, uh, through reason arguments. Like the Chinese culture, what they value is like they value professors. They value teachers. They yeah. value educations. So you can't have both, Preston. You can't say this is a super educated society and this is also a society. 
that can't tell the BS from, from, from not. Now, they may not be able to speak their minds freely, but they know. I feel like these people know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not finished yet. I feel like these people know when the government is lying to them, they just know that they don't have the power to overthrow the government. It's a different thing. Like, they know they're being lied to, but, yeah, they got a house, and, and 10 years ago, things were way worse. So you weigh your options, and you pick what you pick with your balance, you know. But, like, Amber, Amber's question was the difference in culture between the United States and China and what allows them to have a news network that works like this. Because even the United States News Network that projects abroad, we don't do this. I think it's inherent in our culture because of how China values information, how, how China values education, how China values, um, like I said, experts. They, they, they want to hear from experts. They don't want to hear from a person who's got an actor's degree who worked in Hollywood. That's not what the Chinese people want to hear from. They want people to hear from uh, whether it's U.S. business. A lot of times their favorite thing to do on these Chinese networks is to bring in experts from the U.S., to bring in our foreign policy experts, to bring in people who are in past administrations, to bring in um, academic uh, intelligentsia type people, to bring in CEOs, because they want to hear from the people who know. Uh, and that's the best way to get truth is to hear from the people who know. So they do that and we don't even do that in our own country. So I think that's one thing that the Chinese value that sort of allows them to sort of have these news networks that are based on these nuanced conversations. Um, based on these people who have all this credibility, uh, which is the total opposite from what we have because we in America, we grew up, like we don't realize it or not, but you'll hear this from, from like people who are not American, is that we're very dramatic. We're very, you know, uh, flashy people, you know, oh, that they're acting American because these people were raising a fuss at a French McDonald's or something like that. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's a thing that Americans have. That's a part of our culture. And it might, we not, might not realize it, but the rest of the world is not like that. No. Um, we are very addicted to being entertained, to feeling pleasure, to being happy. We need that next uh, star, you know. That's who America idolizes. America idolizes the football star. America idolizes the rapper. America idolizes, you know, the... The, uh, the reality star, right? And it's not like that in China, and that's uh, that's America's. Pro I wouldn't say it's. I don't know. If I would go so far as to say it's a problem, although it's manifesting itself as a problem it's in our society today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't disagree with that, um, but I think that's definitely a, a, a bug of American civilization, and that's what creates the difference in the two, because you can see what they value as far as where, where they get their information and where what do they see as credible and what do they want to give their interest to, and America, which is different, which is like, um, you know, we want to see these, uh, like, we don't even care about, like, we would not care about what is going on in Africa or, like, like economic development in Kazakhstan or things like that. It's We only care about, you know, What's always in the news about what pot's doing, about what rappers are doing, about, you know, uh, you know, politicians, the radical politicians or uh, third wave feminism or, you know, radical things. You know, it has to have an element of like flashiness, word for flashiness. Yeah. or it has to be over the top. It can't just be something but that's what, well, I was gonna mention matter of fact. Why we need so, so let me wrap that up. So to answer your question, Amber, that's what I see, and it obviously goes a lot deeper, you know. But like, I don't. I think that's what when you watch these Chinese news networks, you'll see that the emphasis is on the experts, the emphasis is on the information. With Western media, the emphasis is on entertainment value, and it's like you said, it's it's for profit. So. But yeah, and the, the thing is, though, what I think it's important to consider, you know, because when you're talking about how are we going to address these problems. I think it's important to find the balance and that this this might seem crazy at on a surface level analysis, but hear me out, that I think it's sort of in a way that Jordan and I are both right. 
Um, and the reason why I say it is because it's a balancing act. Because when I'm talking about China being intolerant, like I'm, I'm talking about it sort of from a different perspective. That Jordan is talking about like data and science and like a lot of non-political things. And that's how China is like with non-political things. What it is though, the, the problem in China when it comes to the lack of openness, it has more to do with the fact that they don't tolerate dissent. Like that's one thing in the United States, we tolerate dissent. That if you don't like what the government is doing, you know, you don't go to prison just for that, you know? Whereas in China, you do. And to answer, you know, what you had said about Tiananmen Square being a long time ago, what's happening to the Uyghur minorities is happening right now. I mean, you know, if you're a Muslim in China, forget it. You're public enemy number one. Same thing if you're a Christian. They hate Muslims. They hate Christians because it challenges state authority. And that the reason why I say it's a balancing act is because I think that both China and America do something's right and something's wrong yes. if the goal is to have a, a balanced media. That I think America is better at handling the political aspect in terms of allowing different opinions to be voiced, you know, uh, not not punishing people or coercing people into believing a certain thing, you know, whereas, whereas China, you know, they'll wipe out an entire village because, you know, that village is Muslim or something. Whereas on the other hand, that I think America still has something that could be, that it could learn from China in the sense of focusing on that objectivity. And while we don't want to brainwash our population and throw everyone who disagrees with us in prison like the Chinese do, we also don't want to... We just believe anybody in anything because there is a value to people who are experts you know like we like to treat all opinions as if they're equal and maybe in a legal and political sense that's true but in a social and factual sense that's not somebody who's studied an issue for their entire life and who has a PhD and who's had life experience working in the field is going to have a lot more important and insightful things to say than some pothead who's been sitting on the couch in his mom's basement playing video games and watching TV and that being able to respect and trust authority even if we disagree with it is important. Like, I was even talking about this with a friend of mine not that long ago, you know, that there was a book I was reading for one of my classes that was making a lot of arguments that I disagreed with, you know, and I could come up with some, you know, pretty pretty elaborate and persuasive arguments as to why, you know, this 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 guy is wrong on the issues of nuclear proliferation. But the fact of the matter was that he was a, I think he was a professor and he had worked for, for the UN and he had life experience and education. So although I disagreed with him, I, I acknowledged and respected his expertise and that, you know, I recognized that there is validity and what he's saying, um, you know, even if I don't agree with all of it, and even if at the end of the day it can be refuted, that it's not something that we just want to be, you know, super duper dismissive of. And I think this is really important. It has broader implications for what not only the media, but the society is going to look like. Because what it is, when I'm we were talking about like the United States versus China, I think the media is a battleground for a very important aspect of the clash of civilizations between the United States and China, and that is who gets to decide the narrative, who gets to write history. You know, are we going to have you know a free and open society where all ideas are accepted, but we maybe accept that you know people who are crazy or who don't know what they're talking about are going to be allowed to speak, or are we going to have you know a very objective society that where everyone thinks the same? You know that you sort of force certain policies and ideas down everyone's throat, but that comes at a great human cost, at a great you know cost of freedom, that sort of thing. And that what I think is dangerous about China and what is dangerous about America's you know deficiencies in its, its system when it comes to the media is the fact that China in a lot of ways has turned the tables. And when you look at the way the American media works, something that used to be a strength has become a weakness. And what I mean by that is this. 
that unconditional openness because our openness was a big part of how we defeated the Soviet Union that the Soviet Union was a very closed society so America being open like when these western ideas were able to penetrate the iron curtain you know they crumbled whereas China has sort of figured out how to take our own openness and and weaponize it against us um, you know because you have a lot of Chinese state-owned corporations that are getting in on on the media and you know they they because of their buying power they have a lot of influence probably more than any other country on what is shown in our movies, that sort of thing. But they're able to exploit that openness to perpetuate their own narratives because they know that a democratic society and a free marketplace of ideas is going to be tolerant of ideas that say the exact opposite should exist, whereas the vice versa is not true, that China's not vulnerable to this and they've been able to sort of semi-open in a way that their society is not going to be torn apart if like a Western, you know, rock album gets into China, you know, whereas Russia, you know, what it might have been a different story. And that is about, if we're looking at this from a societal perspective, not, you know, if we're looking at it, whether it be, you know, what we want the future to look like in terms of, you know, freedom of speech, whether we look at it from a strategic perspective, you know, the U.S. hegemony over China, some hybrid of the two, which is probably the most reasonable because they're both important at the end of the day, that, you know, it, the, the system has to evolve. And I think that fostering that objectivity and having those cultural shifts is, is necessary to have that happy medium, that we don't want to be like them because then, you know, we're doing we're all the same problems that, that China has become American problems, but at the same time, status quo is not working and that you know we, we have to recognize some of the weaknesses that exist as a result of this unconditional openness and this focus on you know a popularity contest and superficial analysis of important issues yeah so i mean i don't want uh, anybody out there to get an idea that we're letting our own media conglomerates off the hook you know because it's mm-hmm. not china didn't do this oh no america did this our propaganda has been part of human our, history our, since yeah, like our, the beginning of civilization like the the it seems like it just ramped up recently and uh, it's, it, to me, it's because, like we talked about earlier, like more and more media outlets are, are being, they're scripted. That's what I always wondered. Does anybody know who is writing the script inside these teleprompters that these anchors are talking from? Does anybody know where that's coming from? Uh, Freemasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you no, might not even be wrong. No, it's, it's lizard man. You might not even be wrong. <laughs> you know, if, I, if you guys are listening, uh, send me an application. Um, <laughs> I, I just watched this documentary. I, I told you about this, Preston. It was called Unacknowledged. And it's it's this group of like ex-military industrial complex whistleblower kind of people yeah. who um, their whole thing was the whole like covering up the existence of extraterrestrials conspiracy, right. which is um, <laughs> a bit of a stretch. But one thing that the, he kept saying was um, that... The CIA specifically, but I'm sure other entities as well, have so many people embedded in um, our media corporations from the people who write the script, the people who seek the information, the people who are actually in front of the camera. Like he was just saying, he was talking about how they have like an entire network of people in there, um, uh, which which is interesting. I don't know how valid that is. But it doesn't well, it's, it's true because there's actually some there's 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 some observations that you can make to substantiate this because you know because you're absolutely right you know that, that China is not the only country that controls the narrative of the media in the United States and as a matter of fact a lot of the reason why they're able to do that is because their relationship with U.S. corporations which in turn control the United States government and that what it is is that the United States government you know being part of this system being you know controlled by the entities that China controls and, you know, being subject to sort of the globalist corporate interests, you know, that 
America does its own things to maintain the status quo because the wealthy elites and the political elites within our own society, you know, who who are paid off by these corporations. No, let me finish what I'm saying. The wealthy elites in our in our society, you know, who are who are acting on behalf of these corporations or maybe who are loyal to China, that they're benefiting from the system and they have to make sure that it's perpetuated within the United States. And here's a really interesting observation um, that can be made when it comes to you know analyzing like just how extensive American propaganda is. Video games. So. So, like, uh, you know, obviously with movies has happened, like the Department of Defense has been involved in financing like something like 400 movies. I, I forget the exact number. I remember talking to someone about that. But the thing is, is like when you look at when you look really closely at video games, there's this tendency of video games, especially in the early 2000s, we were fighting Iraq and, Af- and Afghanistan and stuff to mirror the types of environments and conflicts that the United States is fighting. How many video games had a lot of desert warfare when we were fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq? Battlefield? And then, heck, even now, you know, Battlefield, who are the villains in Battlefield? Russia and China. You know, that you can sort of, you can kind of connect the dots, you know, especially with the Middle East one. You know, that, that, that is desert warfare. There's so many games coming out about desert warfare when we're fighting in the Middle East. I was, I, was, I was playing one time, I was playing Arma 2. And my friend uh, was over, and I have a friend who's from Pakistan. And that, I'm not kidding you. One of the maps in Arma 2 is called Takistan. And it's all desert. It's all desert. Like, so many of the maps are desert. And then the one of the maps that's not desert is, is the, the, the Caucasus. It's Russia. You know, all oh, the Russians are coming. we got to fight the Russians. And it's so interesting how, you know, the, the propaganda manifests itself through these video games. And whenever we're fighting a different war, you know, that the video games sort of become different. You know, that, that you know, Crimea happens, and all of a sudden, there's more stuff about the Russians because now the Russians are the bad guys again, and well, like it's 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 something that you know obviously you know is is is, is sometimes correlation and causation are not the same thing. I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that the Pentagon I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily saying that the Pentagon I'm not necessarily saying that the Pentagon is behind every single video game that's made. But what it is is that the culture, what we tend to focus on, and the fact that movies and video games have this tendency to mirror certain government agendas and the fact that there are certain instances, even if it's not every instance, there are certain instances of, you know, the government influencing this kind of stuff, you know, with propaganda that, you know, is is something that we cannot deny and we have to be careful what we listen to and be cognizant of the fact that the American government is not above the types of things that the Chinese do and that corporations do and that you got a lot of the same problems in Washington, D.C. Power-hungry people who want to control the masses for their own benefit. That is what's the problem. There are are definitely a lot of times where the U.S. government is going to lie and they need the media to sort of go along with them and I, some some of the cases it's important you know like there's an operation going on or there's a certain weapon system that we're developing yep you got journalists peeking around the rooms you know trying to find information because there's good journalists out there that do the, do the good work they try to get the information and they know something that is sensitive to our security and i think personally this is a personal opinion i'm not telling anybody how to think or how to believe you know you should think for yourself because i'm going to do that and so like we actually, I think it's good for the government to sort of say, hey, look, n- news media, if you give this information out, it might cost some lives. Now, obviously, that power can be abused, and that's the problem. Is like, can, when can we trust the government and when can we not? But just to push back on what you were saying earlier, Preston, like that Chinese government owns our corporations, therefore they own our media and they own our, our government. 
if they owned the corporations and if they owned the media, then Donald Trump would have never gotten elected. Donald Trump is the most anti-China president you could possibly have. He was anti-China when he ran last time. His main thing before it was the wall was let's tear down China. Let's put tariffs on them. But he's he's a puppet. Down. He's the exception, not the rule. But he how many congressmen but what, but are pro-China what, but, what anti but what Donald Trump goes out there on the media and what he says. Now, you guys said there's a millions of Americans watching this, and you guys might know the difference. You guys might know the backstory. But to the average American who's hearing this, they're getting angry at China. They believe China's the enemy because that is what Trump's saying. He's blaming our economic problems, which is the core of what Americans vote for. If you want to get uh, an American mad, you talk about the job that he lost. You want to you want to get him super mad, you point to the person who took that job. And Donald Trump points to China. He points to the Mexicans now, but that was his original going to thing. Now, you think if China owned the, the, the news media outlets, there would have been such reporting on, on Trump whenever he was talking about China, put these tariffs on China. I don't think so. That's just something that I, I disagree with. So that's something that we don't have to, to say who's right or who's wrong. You gave your opinion. I just gave mine. Like, I don't think that if China owned our news media network, that that would have been something that would have been reported to the point where it actually led to Donald Trump getting elected, which actually led to him putting tariffs on China, which is causing problems in their own government because their GDP is going down. And if their GDP goes down, their people it causes unrest in their people. It causes breaks in their system. So I don't, I just, looking at that line of evidence, I don't see that. Now, to address the next point, the video game point, you know, I think that it's, it's hard because we can't trust our media to tell us the truth in anything. Of course, they're not going to tell us the truth about our government. And that's what we need to be knowing the truth of first and foremost. So let me ask you guys a question, though, because one of the things in order to fix the government, we might we have to get rid of this profit motive. That's what I see as the common denominator. We have to get rid of this profit motive where the advertisements are sort of banking off of, the advertisements are saying, hey, look, we're not gonna pay you this amount of money, you're gonna have to shut down if you don't report on these stories that are getting the, the best hits. In today's day and age, they have, uh, like, like in baseball, it's like cybermetrics. They have algorithms. They have statistics for everything. The news knows what story to put and in what frequency in order to get the maximum amount of viewers. They have all of that information. The data and the analytics is out there. It's at a level that's so hyped up. That might be the bottom of the barrel of why all, all this is happening. Simply because, like Amber said, you have a roadmap of what to do, what to put on your news networks, what to talk about, and you have also the... Um, the, the, the lead in to see how you're gonna get paid from that. So I think getting rid of this profit motive is one of the things that we should be looking into because I mean, how much would it cost to like set up some, maybe, because what I'm gonna say is government run news networks. We've done it with C-SPAN. We've done it with C-SPAN and so far C-SPAN has been one of those, I like C-SPAN, I like PBS, I mean, we can talk about some news networks we trust, but I think the government has actually... The Onion. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, which one? It's my favorite. The Onion. Yeah, the Onion. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's the most actually, accurate news source. The government, the government has actually created the only news, news sites is true. because they're able to ditch that profit motive. They're able to focus on, you know, cut and dry news, you know, the matter of fact stuff, you know, the policy stuff, and, and showing you, like, you want to, like, this is a government-run information, and there's nobody that's going to show you more transparency about your government than C-SPAN. Well, They're literally there at the at the damn Congress and in, in the House of Representatives when the votes are being cast. Yeah. So I think that that's something that, that the government should look into. Now, obviously, I'm a progressive, so I believe that you know the government should be doing things. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to be disagreeing with me. But that's what the government's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think this is one of those areas where you know obviously it would have to be created in a in a bipartisan way. It would have to be given to you know 
experts. I think we can trust experts. I think that experts need to be brought in. Experts need to run these things. But right now, I don't see, because if you allow uh, private individuals to set up these uh, I, like true news networks, they're going to have agendas. They're going to have agendas. Whereas, at least if the government does them, because you take the money aspect out of it, they don't have to worry about that, you know, and like they probably have some standard law that they have to adhere to. And really, that's the only example that we have. But I kind of like it. I kind of like it. So, you know, so what do you guys think about ways to solve for the profit motive? So there's a few that I can think of. Um, one of them, I, I definitely like that idea of, of what you're talking about with C-SPAN. Like, I definitely think, and, and this might sound crazy for me, you know, because you know how my political beliefs are, but I think that having, as long as it's not at the expense of private and independent news sources, that having having some of those government-funded news sources can be a good thing. Because you write about C-SPAN and also, like, you, you, even when it comes to, the, you know, global stuff, like, you know, radio, radio Free Europe and Radio Free Asia, you know, like there's a lot of stuff and we used to do right. more of that and we don't do that that much. The thing is obviously like, like the, I think the, my attitude towards government power is this, that I think government power is necessary, just needs to be checked. And I think we can take that approach to government run media. As long as the government run media is not being granted some sort of monopoly like it is in North Korea or in China or something like that, it's going to be fine. Um, and that being said, I think monopoly is part of the problem, not just government monopoly. And this this isn't going to be a controversial idea, but I think one thing that might be worth considering is trust busting the media. And the the reason for that is because when we're when we're talking about the free marketplace of ideas being eroded um, and fewer and fewer perspectives being allowed and, and more and more indoctrination and polarization occurring as opposed to actual objective fact finding. A lot of it has to do with the fact that like like almost all of the mainstream media in the United States is owned by only like four companies. That it used to be something like 89 back in the 1980s, you know, that it used to be that there were so many different people reporting the news that nobody could spew a bunch of crap because then all the other ones would be all over them and that and you had a situation where everything was subject to scrutiny whereas now you know it's it, put it think about it this way it's a lot easier for four corporations um to limit what messages are being spread and then maybe collude a little bit in terms of creating propaganda it's a lot easier for four corporations to do that than 89 you know or 100 or something like that um so what it is i, I think we we have to to a certain extent look at the media from an anti-monopoly perspective you know that when we see that a government or the corporation or, or, or a government or a corporation or something is unilaterally dictating what people are seeing and what people are hearing, you know, that that's something that we can take action from. And it, and it kind of goes back to like, the, you know, what we were saying before about the culture, that one of the reasons why I like looking at foreign news sources, Chinese, Russian, Japanese, whatever, and one of the reasons why I like looking at, you know, uh, academic papers is because you get that diversity. And I think that that diversity can be become more mainstream and more domestic if we were to take that approach and say you know, we need to trust bust the media we need to figure out how are we going to maintain competition within that marketplace yeah and, and, I, and I went high and me and person went high and I, and I love that idea of trust busting the media uh, I have two ideas that I just want to throw out there real quick I'll make it quick because I think we have what, like 15 minutes left and then we're going to wrap this up or is that the box I don't know how long we're getting but um, we're the an hour and 10 minutes okay yeah so the first idea is like 
the government could either create their own news networks or they could simply pay for these advertising slots so that these corporations don't have to worry about going to, I mean these news networks don't have to worry about going to corporations to get the money that they need to exist. The government could cover, you know, these, uh, and, and that would be a good way to actually have commercials that talk about things, that actually have commercials that not only dumb down America and make them want to buy beer and, and condoms or whatever, <laughs> but, you know, but uh, make, you know, Tell them, you know, about the world or what the government's doing or, you know, things like that. You, or, like, you have 30-second ad about, like, a healthcare service that's in your area or something like that. Um, I think that would be a good way to, to pay for those slots. I mean, obviously, that might cost a lot of money. But the other option is to go really, really low. Because if you want to take out the profit motive, one of the best ways to do it is do what we're doing now. Is to have, like, your everyday, you know, worker or your student or your, you know, your, your, your struggling expert out there, you know, your young budding artists, or even people who are who have made it in the world, but they just do like news shows and podcasts because they have an interest in it. Like because we at the Wizard Factory, we don't have a money interest. We don't have anybody paying us to do this. We can be as honest as we want to be, and hopefully everyone has here has been being honest. Oh yeah. But like you heard from us, like we're upfront. Like we'll tell you, like I'm a progressive. Pre uh, like Preston has his feelings towards China. You know, like we all have our agendas, but we're still telling you like what we see wrong. And like I can tell you uh, like a hundred thousand things that are that is wrong with progressivism today. And I'm pretty sure uh, Preston could give you sort of the other perspectives of, of the way that he thinks. There's so a lot of things that the United States can learn yeah, from yeah, China, yeah, exactly. especially so, when it comes to foreign so, policy. So it's about, you know, but, but the thing is like we're upfront and we're honest and we want what's best for the audience member mm -hmm. and keeping in mind that if we can sort of give you guys a little nudge here or a little piece of information here and you're sort of, you're, you get more light, you get more pieces to the puzzle of truth or whatever in the way that you think. If you didn't know about uh, what was going on in China or these different news networks then we hopefully we you know pointed you in the right direction of where to go or if you didn't know that all these different international government supported news networks have actually really good news you can go there so like that's what I think news should not all of it but a huge portion of news should, should, should turn local it should turn to the individual so that way it doesn't have this big conglomerate bureaucracy like Amber said where it has to go through so many channels before it gets in front of the screen and gets into the teleprompter. No, we do the, we research, like Preston could research the information and he shares it out there with you guys and he gives you all the perspectives that he knows. Yeah. And I think that's one way to do it because we don't have a profit. And I think one thing that's really important to note about this is that being objective does not mean that you can't have an opinion. What it, what it, like we can have an opinion all we want. Opinions are important, but what it is, what being objective is, is that you're willing to consider other opinions and that you prioritize fact above all else. You know, the, I would rather be. I would rather have a belief disproven, but then end up knowing the truth, than you know live in this blissful ignorance, thinking what I want to think. And I know that's kind of an uncommon perspective to take, uh, but I think it's a perspective that we all need to take. You know, we have to be willing to be proven wrong, and that we have to you know put put fact as as the number one thing that we're pursuing. Because at the end of the day, that's the point of having news. You know, why do we why even have the media to begin with? Why have news networks? The the purpose is they should be 
serving is to report the facts that people can turn on the TV or read an article and they they can know what's going on and that there might be bias there might be agendas you know there might be different opinions but for the media to be effective for news to be effective all those things should be secondary to fact that at the end of the day the number one priority is what is going on what's causing it and that the viewers you know the people consuming this information are the ones who decide how they feel about it that's what the wisdom factor is going to give you every time you know because we are dedicated to the pursuit of knowledge and pursuit of being objective and because we realize that there is a huge problem it's dark out there you know you don't know where to turn to to get your information you don't know who's lying to you the wisdom factor will give you some information and we'll tell you the truth but rob what are some of the things that you think um that we can do to sort of solve for this problem uh that we're seeing with the media right now so it seems that we're living in a world that really prioritizes emotional appeals and appeals to character rather than, you know, objective appeals. And that's a problem that's really hard to tackle. I think what you said about culture is very important. How changing the culture on media and how we see media and how we consume media is very important. So an example I would use is France. France is very, very has a very, put a very high emphasis, emphasis, emphasis. Sure. Emphasis. On, ah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that word, huh, Rob? <laughs> right. If you watch news in France, they're all about culture. They talk about history. They talk about art. They talk about literature and just everyday news. And it's it's wow. brilliant. And I mean, people, that's what they watch and that's what they know and that's what they discuss and hear what conversations you hear every day the kardashians uh the latest internet video uh something daniels (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i really think putting an emphasis on changing the culture around media would help a lot yeah Yeah. all right so so if if nobody has anything else to say i think uh you know all of us have lived a full life and we know what media outlets to avoid and which ones that we like the information from. So I'll go first and none of them. I'll talk about some of the uh, news networks, just some recommendations out there. I mean, this isn't a full perfect list. <laughs> this is just some of the news networks that I've sort of seen and I like, you know, the information. Uh, the Diplomat, I like The Diplomat. I think it's a Japanese news network. Yeah. Um, I love uh, CCTV. I think it's CGTN. Um, I like PBS a lot. Um, Let's see, um, as far as, I am, I think I'm, I'm getting, running down to the end of my list right there. I don't really watch news networks, but if anybody's got some. I mean, I'd say for me, like, I'd, I'd mostly agree with those, um, like all, all of those I've seen before and I think are, are good choices in terms of something that's, you know, more objective, I guess, in the mainstream. Um, I'd also add... Um, Der Spiegel, uh, that's a German right, news source, right. and I, li- I like that one. That's definitely worth checking out. Um, and there's this French one called uh, Le Monde Diplomatique. It's about uh, you know, foreign policy. That's a good one uh, to, to listen to as well. And um, I'm trying to think. I would say... Because there are a lot... I know, I like the, I like the diplomat as, as well. Um... At, off the top of my head, those are those are really the main ones I was thinking. There's there's some Vietnamese there's one, Sky, but I forget the Sky name of it. But Sky News, I think, is another French one. Oh, I didn't mention BBC. Mm-hmm. BBC's getting worse. But yeah, it used to be really good. Uh, also, uh, German. It's another German uh, English. You know, it's English news network. It's DW. Oh, Deutsche Welle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. So they're really really good. 
Um, you could probably, uh, there's some Indian, some, some government funded Indian news networks that are really, really good. Um, but what I would also recommend is like looking through newspapers, you know, looking through newspapers because you'd be surprised. Like you read the New York Times like on Google or, you know, uh, in your little notifications and you're like, oh my God, they're super biased. Like how many times is it going to bash Trump for this? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's old, it's old hat. Like, you know, I'm not necessarily a Trump supporter, but you know, I'm tired of this story. Um, but if you read their newspaper, they are nuanced as it gets, you know, they've got opinions from all sorts of different walks of areas. They allow editors to do these things. They allow like regular people to write in on their opinions, like the newspapers, like that's what I was getting to at the beginning of this. Like if you really want to be an informed citizen, you still have to read newspapers. There's no way to get around it. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to do it. But unfortunately, that's just the best way to get access to real, true information. And the real journalists who are out there, like, there's some good journalists out there with some good integrity. Like, they went to school because they, they, they had it in their heart. They just had passion. They wanted to go out there and uncover stories because they knew that the people needed to know these stories. And those people get ignored by the mainstream media. But they still find a place and they still get accepted in these newspapers. So if you can't find a mainstream news network, like I would encourage you to even find mainstream news networks that, but get their newspapers. Um, you know, Forbes is a good one. Um, you know, uh, but if you can't even do that, you can go local news. Local news usually will give you some 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 good insights on some things. But does anybody else have some uh, sort of advice on where to get some good news? For the peeps out there. You covered yeah. everything. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Jordan. This is Preston. Rob and Amber. Uh, this was their first time on the podcast. We thank them for being there. I know it wasn't the, the last one. And, uh, yeah, so Wisdom Factory is dedicated to truth. We're dedicated to giving you guys information. So if, you, if you're out there listening on YouTube, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button, <laughs> and follow us because we're really getting into some crazy things. We've got the director uh, from UT of Inclusive Innovation and Entrepreneurship coming to talk with us um, in April 26th. So if you're out there and you want more information on this, we're going to post some links to our blog below, to our Facebook, to uh, our Instagram. What are we doing nowadays? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and, and even there's a Venmo. So if you guys want to throw some money out there, you know, we, we're not against that either. Yeah, we'll make sure to put it in good use. Because that, that's the thing of the wisdom factor. You know, we believe in, in openness and, you know, that, that people shouldn't, you know, be charged a fee to participate. So yeah. as a result of that, you know, we need, we need donations. It's got to be voluntarily you know funded. Don't even donate. <laughs> Don't even donate. Because that, I feel like that'll be the end of us. Once we start getting some big money from some big corporations, all this will change, okay? So these are the good times. So if you're listening to this, I hope you had a good time, and that's the end of our show. Thank you.